welcome to the Group Home Riches Podcast. If you have the desire to be your own boss, create your own schedule, and become financially free while at the same time helping people in need, then you've come to the right place. At GroupHomeRiches.com, we teach people exactly like yourself how to get started in the group home business, and on this podcast, you're going to hear their stories firsthand. All right, welcome to the Group Home Riches Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Temi. Another highlight from our private Facebook group, I saw some big wins in there recently and just realized that we actually spoke a couple years ago. The last time I spoke with him was on a coaching call. He was getting his first couple calls in the background. So I'm excited to catch up with him and see what's been going on. Temi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Brandon. I appreciate you for having me. So before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes, why don't you tell everybody just a little background on yourself? Where are you from? What were you doing before you found us? And what made you even want to look into finding us? Okay. Thank you, Brendan. Uh, my name is Timmy, as you know, last name Smart. Dallas here, not the city of Dallas, Texas. And I was into clinical research and I just uh, switched in and also I'm a pastor and we normally go feed the homeless in our ministry. Once a month, we go feed the homeless. So in the process, I see a lot of homeless people. And actually, I started wondering, sometimes I have interaction with them after we finished feeding. There were some that became so close to I was interacting with them. And I see that I observe and discover that I know that many of them normally have some little things that comes to them, but some of them cannot have a place. And that some of them cannot manage their money and things like that. So I started uh, nursing the idea of what can I do? What can we do? So I started just going, I just go on uh, social media. And I mean, I think YouTube, just looking at this homeless, this body home thing, shelter and all those things. And I stumbled on group home riches. Uh, I I stumbled on some of your videos that you have done and started looking into them. And I was so impressed by what I heard, the testimonies, and the, how helpful it has been to some people who, uh, moving them from homelessness to having homes. So I was just intrigued. And that's why I got the good course package and I bought it. And yeah, that was the beginning of this whole thing. Love it. And just as a timeline, this was a couple of years ago, correct? Yes, actually, I think I bought my gold course package in September 15 or so, 2020. So before I finished it and start, I finished it around October, November. So I started looking for homes and that became the issue at first. I actually started making call. Like you said, actually, that the first one of the last, the last calls we had, I mean, the coaching call we had, and I was already having calls because I bought those address phone numbers and other things of nonprofits of different organizations like that. So I started making calls and I got two, three people on list on the list and uh, trying to get. Uh, so I, with the mind that I'm going to get a place in December to start my first home in that 2020, it didn't happen like that because I, the, the house I saw that I thought that, okay, but at least by December, I should be able to start with those people. I already have two, three people. The house I saw did not, uh, the landlord refused to allow me. When he finally knew what I wanted to do, he did not allow me to do it. So I started, you now made a statement in our last coaching class. Before our last coaching class, you made a statement that 
if you have people that uh, you have met or just call friends that are landlords or things like that. So I went back to my phone. I remember that there was a time I attended uh, one meeting. I think uh, it was like a real estate uh, meeting like that. So I met a lady that was two years prior uh, before we started talking. I met a lady then that said she has about 25 houses like that. So I got a number. So I just remembered that, okay, let me reach out to that lady. So mm-hmm. I checked my phone. I didn't even remember her name again. So I was looking at my phone. I just typed real estate because any, anywhere I meet people, I identify the, if I save their name, I identify them with wherever I met them. So a name just popped up on my call and I called her and that was uh, how this whole journey started for my first home. Beautiful. Yeah. So kind of the standard like progression that I see a lot of people take. So let me kind of rewind it and recap for some of our new listeners out there. A lot of folks kind of get hung up on what's the first step to take. A lot of people think that they need to have the house first to start making those first steps. And then there's also the conundrum, well, if I get a house, I don't have people. So they're very hesitant to put down like their down payment or their <laughs> lease up front. You remember how you felt in the beginning? Oh, yes. You know, those two people I told you I have, uh, because I could not get the house I had in mind in December, I lost them because they decided to go get got somewhere else because they can't be waiting for me being homeless and waiting for me till I get a house. So Yeah, that's, I, that's fine. Yeah. It at least gave you the proof of concept, right? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, so what I like, did was, when I spoke with this lady and she told me that, okay, she just bought a new house that she's trying to rehab and put it in the market. So I said, I would like to see it. And she, we met, I saw it and she actually asked me how I want her to mean partition it and I'll like it. So I said, okay, that's good. So we did that. And I just went ahead and paid for the first month, paid the month and the deposit. And that was in January. She agreed that I should start in, no, I told her that if the lease can start in February, since we are just doing it in January and uh, need to get everything together, she said, not a problem. And I started in February. The lease started in February without anybody. But in That's... that February, I started aggressive marketing. I started calling calling people, calling organizations and like that. And uh, someone called me. I think one other guy that was doing group homes uh, called me and said, oh, there's somebody he got that his place is full if I will need, if I have my place is uh, still, if I still have beds. So of course, so that became my first resident. So my first month, I only had one person and, but at least it, it reduced my rent. So I, I still paid the second month, the, March, the month of March off pocket added to what he had. Then in the month of April, I happened to get my second resident and that was how, yeah. So I started, before you know it, I started getting, within April, May, I got people already that they started paying for them. The rents, I mean, the business started paying the rent and paying the bills for my expense. Perfect. So it took like maybe two or three months to kind of cover costs and become profitable. That's correct. Yeah. So okay. about actually February, March. Yes. Then from April, I actually started uh, paying for the, I mean, the business started paying for itself, no profit then, but from May, I got four five and yeah, I started recovering. I started getting some things coming in. All right. Then you hit the ground running. That's correct. 
Yeah. So for the beginners out there, if you notice, uh, Temi didn't wait till he had the property to do. We typically recommend being the first step, which was marketing, <laughs> reaching out to organizations, nonprofits, hospitals, even other facilities that are housing people. Like you see, you may get referrals from them. In general, we recommend that you just you market to organizations or services that are working with the demographics that might need this type of housing. He did end up finding three people. Um, like they got on his wait list, but the first house fell through. But that was at least enough to like show him like, all right, this is real. There's people that really need this housing. And then he went to, it doesn't sound like it was a partnership, but it was working with a landlord that at least understood what you were doing, correct? Yes. And not only, yeah, not only just understood, but it sounds like she probably believed in it, believed in you, and it kind of saw the advantages of working with you because she was kind of lenient on the move-in and the move-in costs and everything. Yeah, yes. And when one thing I told her, though, you know, you told us, uh, sell your advantage at that time, because I was literally following uh, every word for word you said let them know that you can uh, i mean their bill their rent will never be late or things like that that you uh -huh. so the things i know going to be advantageous to her i was telling her that definitely i'm going to put you on auto your rent will constantly be coming regularly before you even call at the first of the month you don't have to call and also if anything happened in the house that is less than 200 dollars or something like you do you will not get a call from me and she yeah. said, uh, okay, okay, that's fine. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, a lot of folks out there, if you're not in the real estate industry, you may not really understand the kind of the struggles that these landlords are facing. And we have a pitch in the gold course. We do, <laughs> like Temi said, you could go word by word if you want to follow it. But in general, it's just really about understanding the advantages of this model compared to the rental model and the advantages they would have compared to working with your average tenant which are are you pay did you work out any kind of monetary agreement with her like are you paying above market rent or working out a split of the profit or are you just paying market rent for the properties i'm just paying market rent for the property so that's ideal <laughs> it's but they at least know that they're going to be working with someone that's going to be a high income earner I do recommend that you agree to handle the miscellaneous maintenance calls, which sounds like you agreed to do that. And also, assuming this works out, Temi, you're going to be in those properties for a very long time. So she's not going to need to get the house ready in a year from now and try to lease it. Uh, yeah, so, no, I think one thing that uh, also I actually wanted to sign for the first time because I was scared that she might, if things go bad, she might want to know if I keep, if she keep, I mean, same issues come up that she might want to uh, let me go. So I said, let's sign two years or three years. Shina said, tell me, you know, this is a new business you are starting. Why don't you, let's just do one year first and let's see how it goes from there. That was what she suggested. I said, okay, that's fine. So yeah. we did one year. Then after that, yeah, since then we've been just good. Yeah, and it doesn't wanted, come to a point right now that even if you buy properties, she wants to. She want me to come take a look at it if it's uh, something that will fit what I want. Yeah, so not necessarily a partnership, but it's the same talk. So we often get a lot of questions. You know, how do I start with little to no money? 
it again, the strategy always depends on your resources. So to me, it sounded like you had some savings to where you could put the lease deposit down and then you had some reserves in place. Yes. If there's someone out there listening to this and they're literally check to check, they can't do this. It's the same talk, same exact talk that you would have with a landlord. But instead of offering market rent, you say, hey, Mr. Landlord, instead of market rent, here's how much I think I can generate on your property. And I'm willing to you know, split the profit with you or something like that. And I'm sure if you were in that position, my bet would be that the investor that you're working with would have gladly yes. done that. Yes, you would have. I agree to that. I agree and, to uh, that. And, another, and, uh, oh, go ahead. Okay. No, I'm listening. I was going to say another kind of another thing I wanted to highlight from our coaching program. Temi followed the exact blueprint. <laughs> a lot of people don't take my advice and they immediately go to Craigslist or Zillow and start cold calling landlords that they don't know. They're dealing with a lot of agents that are pretending to be owners or property managers. Yes. When a lot of times, if you just sit back and think about it, you probably have a real estate investor in your phone. That, you've right. already, that, you've, that you already know, or even like a family friend or even family member, they're going to be much easier to talk to. So, and also if you don't, we recommend that you go to the real estate meetup groups, which Timmy had already done. And that's where he met his, uh, it's a business partner, even though yes. she's not getting a cut of the profit. So you supplying the capital, AKA yeah. the homes. Yeah. It's a key ingredient, but we always recommend that you do the marketing ahead of time just to kind of bare minimum, you get your confidence up. If the landlord asks, you know, did she have any questions about the business or what you were doing or, or anything like that? Or was she pretty gung-ho? Yeah, because I think the conference where I met her before, and it was a, a real estate listing of an assisted living something. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so she already knows. So I, I, when I went, actually called her, she really didn't recognize. She didn't remember me again. So mm -hmm. I introduced myself and like that. I said we met in this uh, whatever. She said, "Oh yeah, that was two years ago." I said, "Yeah." I said, "You still have like twenty-five of me." Said, "No, I have like about fifty houses now." I said, "Wow." I said, "I would really like to meet with you." And so when I met her, she already have an idea of what I'm talking about. I only told her that, but in this case, it's more of like independent living facility not uh, assisted living uh, that i'll be doing and she said okay that's fine yeah so that is how we got in but she didn't ask me about numbers and i was cool with that because i don't want a situation where for instance she's making at the end of the month of her this thing she's making 500 from her house and she ended up seeing knowing that this guy will be making like 2000 from my property or something uh, so that it don't become an issue that uh, will make us start raising rent so i was actually excited that she did we didn't even go to the numbers and things like that yeah it's always a trade-off so for a lot of landlords are just going to be happy getting paid on time and not getting calls from people that's correct that's why she's willing to work with you and yeah. then even if you guys do want to negotiate you can start with hey you know why don't i i'm willing to go two or three hundred bucks above market rent now, many of you may not think that's a lot out there, but there's a real estate investor listening or anyone that's been looking into real estate investing. That's how much most landlords profit on their properties, two or 300 bucks per month. 
that's what they're aiming for. So if you can give them an additional two or three hundred bucks per property, mm -hmm. you just doubled their income for the yeah, year. Income, yeah, <laughs> it's so. But Temi didn't even, you know, you didn't even need to do that. This woman just wanted to be paid on time and uh, work with a solid tenant. So yeah, and she also had some knowledge about the industry beforehand, so that worked out. Yeah. Um, now, did she? You guys attended a a seminar for assisted living facilities. It sounds like. That, yes, and did that she was have, yes, right. Did she have? Um, did you have to explain the difference between our model compared to that? I just no, I didn't have to go there. I said she knows what that thing that we went for that training. So yeah, that she just decided not to go into it and just decided to just do an, an hands off. Just rent a property and let it go, like things like that. And I said, "Oh, okay." I said, "But that's similar thing I want to do." I said, "The only difference in this aspect is that I'm taking a specific kind of group of people." She now said, "Is it like aged people?" I said, "Yeah." Some I just yes say yes because some of them feel easier when you say it's an and uh, seniors because they might they, they may not be afraid that seniors are going to destroy their properties, like drug headed no people that are uh, from the street. So yeah, I just I just told her yes, and uh, she said okay. Yeah, yeah. There's so many. We use the term group home just because it's just a popular general term. Yeah, but some other kind of terms that you guys can use when you're explaining this to people, you know, either the social service organizations or investors. Hey, adult care business, adult foster home, affordable housing, shared living, cooperative housing. Those are some key terms that you guys can use out there that just kind of sound a little more general and vague. Don't have, uh, you know, when people hear group home, they may have some negative connotations but to it. That is true. Uh, me, I actually normally say uh, I put an independent living. Nice. I like that too. <laughs> Dependent, <laughs> affordable living. <laughs> yes. It's, it's... <laughs> All right. Beautiful. So that was kind of the beginning stages. That's correct. You went through that, the typical kind of fuzziness, right? Like wondering, hey, is this legal? You know, <laughs> how do I start with without a home? What's the first step? You know, he managed to get through that. Got over his, uh, well, I don't want to assume. A lot of people kind of are, are hesitant to just pick up the phone and starting to call people. Did you have any nervousness to do that when you oh, first started? I went, no, I did not because I'm a people's person, though. I stand before congregation every Sunday, every Wednesday to be preaching. Oh, wow. and so talking to people is not, I think that public space is my comfort zone. And so uh, once I just knew what I have to say, I looked at uh, the the script you gave us then, uh, that early stage, I went to the script. I memorized the script and I just started <laughs> calling, hey, I'm Timmy, the owner of Dominant Residence. Um, I've operated an assisted group, I mean, boarding home and trying to see who I can speak with that is in charge of this aspect in your group. I said, we work with organizations like yours to provide an affordable and a clean environment for people that are in need of housing. And they will not say, oh, okay, that's fine. I did it the first time, the second time, the third time. It was, I, I, was, I started adding, just using any words that comes to my mind at that time because I became comfortable within the space of talking to people. And they were not as, um, the, you know, sometimes the fear is in our mind. The fear mm -hmm. is in our head. Because at the end of the day, when you start speaking with them, you find out that some of them even need you more than you, needed them. you need them. Some will just call me and say, 
We heard that you called uh, two, three days ago where you left a voice message and we're calling you back. So tell us a little bit about what you do and this, this, that. Before you even say two, three things, they will be the one telling you what, oh, wow, that they've been looking for homes like this that will help their, what they do, their cause and things like that. So I really didn't face that, uh, that icebreaker thing, but uh, from the inception. Yeah, 100%. So there's a ton of like government funds and grants and, and stuff that goes into all these organizations. And many of them have a person there that their job is to find, you know, landlords and people willing to work with their clients. So right. oftentimes when you, and that's the first step we teach in the gold course, it's just literally just compile a list of people like that in your area. And we give you all the keywords and, and stuff like that to do it. Mm-hmm. And then once you get a hold of them, as Temi just said, oftentimes you don't have to sell them or pitch them. Typically, it's quite the opposite. They're going to yeah, tell they, you about their programs and try to get you to work with them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, the organization that works with me right now, They before you were called, even came in, uh, actually, um, they called me for a, a, a home, a room, but um, they have about four people in one of my houses right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they although the only problem I have initially that I didn't want to accept them was that they don't pay in advance, they pay in arrears. So at the end of the month, they will, like this month, they will pay you for like maybe on the fifth, on the sixth of this month, they'll pay you for last month. So uh, that's what they do yeah. with their residents. And, and they really need, because sometimes I would just tell them, okay, I don't want this person in my house. They'll say, Timmy, can you accept this person? They'll call me and things like that. So they really need you. They need what we do more than you can imagine or you can even know. Yeah. And I'm getting a feel for this a lot more because I've been working in the field a lot more with our, we have a a new program where we're kind of doing the marketing for people. So I'm Mm -hmm. a lot more hands-on than I have been previously. Okay. And you hear things from these people like, oh my God, I'm I'm so glad you called. You made my day. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's just a relief because they're so used to we were speaking with a with a couple ladies just yesterday, where their job is to literally they get a list of apartments and landlords and cold call them to try to convince them to work with the organization. Right. Um, you guys are scared out there to call the landlords. Imagine how those people feel. And then they get a call from somebody like Temi who's actively seeking them. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, you're usually like the highlight of their day. Right. And, uh, you t- it's all about the developing the relationship from there. At this point, yes. I'm guessing you, you have a couple really solid referral sources and you're basically, you know, one of their best friends at this point, I'm guessing. Very well. On first name basis, we just relate that some of them. They just say, hey, tell me, uh, okay, there's this person. Is it okay? Will it fit your home? And if I happen to have a referral from like some hospitals, let's say this hospital, Dallas Medical City of uh, McKinney or something. Yeah. The, the, the two times they sent me residents, it didn't end well with the residents, little bits. Whatever. So whenever they call me, and so I have to tell them that when you guys call me for, I said the two residents you guys have sent to me, I'm not comfortable. So it's making me a little bit more skeptical getting, you know, I mean, accepting 
your cause, your residence. And so they said, I'm sorry about that. Now we will make sure that we make sure we send you residents that are very, very, that are sane, that are this, that are that. And I said, okay, good. And that, and that relationship is really solid because it was solid. I was able to tell them the way, what I felt and what I thought. And seriously, I'm the first person they call when they have a resident that need to be discharged and they are looking for home. Yeah. And you bring up a great point. And this is kind of, this is another reason why we recommend you guys do a little bit of the marketing and networking ahead of time. You're going to want to see what services do the organizations provide. So you're hearing, Temi, it's not like this organization just, you know, sends them tenants and they're left to fend for themselves. Temi's dealing with the tenants, caseworkers and things like that. And they're kind of helping to manage the tenants a little bit. And I'm sure they're the ones that are ensuring that the tenants are working the programs they're supposed to and what have you. And on top of that, it's uh, it's on, sounds like it's on a net 30 payment basis, but they're, mm-hmm. you're getting the payments from those organizations and not the yeah. tenants. Some of them, yes. But cool. some uh, the tenants, I tell them what they have. And you know, some of these uh, people, when they go to the hospital, hospital cannot just discharge. It's like, I don't know if it's a law, but they want, they don't just discharge someone out without a destination. So uh, some of them that goes to the hospital um, that doesn't have a place to go. So things like that, those uh, caseworkers that work with uh, in the discharging section, like case management section, they want to get a place that they, and they want to know what you charge and all those things. And when you tell them your condition that the person has to have a social security SSI. So they will already make those primary findings before they even call you, say, because they already know you. Oh, tell me this person makes S amount and receives every month and this, this, that. Sometimes I'll ask them, so what was his prior situation? What is his diagnosis? Why is he at the hospital? Is he a, is he a patient that is compliant because my home is an independent living home? I don't want a situation where a resident will come and it's not compliant and start causing issues in the home or with other people. They'll say, oh, yeah, that uh, he has never had any issues in his back record and everything. So they will give me everything up front before I will have a conversation with the resident. And so once I accept, so as they are discharging the resident from the hospital, they are, my resident become my home becomes their uh, resident. So, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So that brings up another really good point. So it's not like we're, le- you know, Temi is not leasing the property to these tenants in our inner gold course. We have uh, we have an example of a tenant agreement, which is basically the house rules that are on paper. And then on top of that, you can set, you basically set your requirements, just like any other landlord. They're going to require X amount of income credit mm-hmm. score. You know, you can't have uh, felonies, no felonies on your background. That's an example of like uh, rental requirements. The same things going here. We typically in Andy's properties, it's just basically, hey, he's going to want to require a guaranteed check. So it's typically from an organization or Mm -hmm. SSI or SSDI and -hmm. someone that's going to agree to follow the rules. It's, you know, cooperative housing. That's correct. So you could go the step further and have like background requirements like it's like it seems like Temi has I even have uh, some coaching clients require that the tenants have a caseworker they won't even take somebody in that doesn't have a caseworker so 
you guys are getting a really good kind of real life example of like one, the networking and marketing aspect of things here. Also some management stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was one case, there was one case just to follow up with piggyback on what you said. There was one case of a, a resident that was sent to my home and uh, the caseworker brought him because the caseworker really need to go and he has been calling me. So when they, he came, we were talking, I was just uh, doing this pre uh, admission communication with Amy. I was asking him, where were you? He told me the place. I said, how long have you been there? He told me, and uh, why Why are you leaving? Uh, because uh, the, re the other, other residents are just calling the police on me. They are saying that I'm causing problem and I'm not causing any problem. They are the one fighting me. I said, okay, how, how many times have they called on you? You say about three times. I said, so I just told the caseworker that um, I think with what he needs, a place that is more... Um, I mean, uh, as, and more assistance that uh, my home is not a, will not be a perfect, will not be a fit for him. And he said, but I can't, I said, I'm sorry, no, I can't. Uh, because I, I don't want to set my home for this, uh, for failure already from that. Uh, because if they are calling police on you, other residents are having issues with you, first home, second home. I don't see a reason why my home will not be the third home where they will call for you. So, yep. That's great. <laughs> and that's something <laughs> there's a, uh... There's not like a specific science to it. It's kind of tough to teach, you know, in the yeah. gold course, you kind of have to have just the social skills to get a good read on people and see if they're going to get along or not. That's correct. Yeah. But, but also uh, you're getting a glimpse of kind of the idea of uh, outsourcing. So you're hearing how, you know, Temi, you're not a caseworker. You don't have caseworkers on your staff or and, and no staff or anything that are providing services to these folks, right? No staff. However, you know, you told us, uh, I think I asked you that specifically in the first time when I said, uh, so how do you, the supervisors in the in the house that you say so you can pick a residence. And so that was the model I used as well. So in my home, I just picked a, I looked a resident that I've seen that have been with me and is not causing any issues and it's very coordinated and everything. I pointed him and just deducted like $200 from his rent. And he's been doing, he's been with me for over a year, going to two years now. And he's doing really good in that house. He's the one, occasionally, if I'm not there, he admits residents and, and my, my camera is also working. And then once I come, I sign the residence admission form. Um, so when there's nothing, he, he arranges, he cleans, I mean, he sets the house. The, the rules and also make sure that uh, everybody do their do the dishes and clean the house. So the house is always kept clean and yeah. So that's a, that's the same model I use for my second home as well. Just with make a little reduction from one of the residents and they are keeping the house great. Yep. So he has no staff. There's no caseworkers you have to manage and schedule or you know nurses or anything like that right the folks come in they agree to follow the rules they understand that Timmy's not going to be you know managing these people he's not going to be there every single day he's not going to have staff there it's independent cooperative living and to just kind of make his life easier he has one of the residents one of the tenants is the house supervisor if someone is like not washing their dishes for example that's when it's going to be upgraded to Temi and that's the only time he really has to deal with it. So right. 
describe to the folks out there a little bit, you know, what's the day-to-day activity like for you? You know, you're not living in the properties. You don't need to sit there and supervise everybody. How much would you say like per week on average does it take to manage the properties that you have? In the initial time, before I actually had a grip on it, they call me every 30, every one hour, yeah. two hours. <laughs> I'm, I'm, there was one day I actually have to drive early hours of the morning around five just to go over there to resolve it. So, so but um, now that I got a clear understanding of it, sometimes for a week, I've not even been to some of my homes. I just watch them in the on the camera. And if I see something I don't like, I can just say, hey. I can just call, I will just call the house phone and talk to them. Hey, what's going on all this? I said, oh, okay. So if I see somebody that's not, I know it's not a resident in the house, I can just call and say, who is that person? They say, oh, he's a case manager or case worker of this person. I said, okay. So I would say on a daily basis, I would say like one to two hours. No, it's not really up to two. Occasionally, two hours, I would say if I'm driving there. But if it's just to talk, it's just to make a phone call like, just to correct something and I'm off or just to call and say, ah, is the house going? Everything good. So everything is fine. That's it. Yep. So definitely takes, uh, and we're very upfront about this. It's not passive in the beginning. It's, uh, you know, you have to hit the ground, especially with the marketing and stuff and, you know, getting people in there, figuring stuff out, especially if you don't have like the house supervisor yet, but once it's stabilized, just ask them, do you think you could run like five of these with part-time energy? I'm telling you, uh, Brendan, I'm actually planning. My goal is actually to get five homes this between now and June. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> so I have, I within now, and I have three already. So within now and June, I'm planning to get two more. And I think I've gotten to a point now where I don't have problem getting properties for these because I don't know if it's, it's, I would say it's favor or it's also the way I speak with the landlords. My plano home, is, I got it from a Facebook market. I just went on Facebook market, put a property for lease, and I called the landlord and he said, let's meet. And that was it. The same thing with my denting house. This one I just opened. I got the lead from Facebook market. And so I would say it's very doable five i can do five at ease and still do every other thing i'm doing or without my time being consumed yeah so a couple maybe like five to ten hours per week as long as everything's stable i don't think there's I spent no issues up, no i don't think i spent up to 10 to 10 hours a week i'm not sure there we go and he's you're leasing all the properties correct for now yes maybe for with now. time i'll start buying but all my properties well, now yeah, re- reach out to me uh, via email so we can give you some uh, real estate investing advice. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. So our average kind of net per property is around 3000 Um, And that's taking market rent out. So there's no, we are accounting for that. Might mm. Yours might be a little higher since you're paying the landlord, kind of a middleman. Would you say your net is comparable to that, like in the two to three K range? Yes, definitely. That's my goal is after I try to see how all my expenses fall in between 50% of whatever the in the, the house produces. So that my expense does not go beyond 50%. So for now, my homes, I think I would say with an average of 2,500 per home. Perfect. 
And are they all four bedroom plus? Yes, they are all four bedroom, I would say. But this the, uh, one of my homes that uh, was three bedroom, but it has a, an office space and the landlord said anything I want to do. I'm good. I'm free to do it. So I covered it up to a bedroom. So that's for, that made it four bedroom. Nice. Yeah. So if anyone's been on my our webinars or even if you're in the gold course, just like the, uh, you know, the understanding the basics, you're seeing just kind of the averages play out here, right? What we say, right around two to 3,000 per property. And that's uh, eventually you'll start to own these. So that'll get the cash flow up a little. And then if you can learn to get them at a discount, that's where the returns just get kind of astronomical. Um, oh, wow. And there's also the, we will start four bedroom is the minimum. But then again, we're going to look for like office space that can be converted. Those two car garages, those could typically be turned into two bedrooms. So you guys are seeing kind of like the average here, but there's other properties you can put them up to the high end. Um, for those out there listening, just kind of rewind this, break out the calculator, and you could get a good idea of uh, really a big advantage of business model compared to rental properties, which is the cash flow. <laughs> Timmy, I want to do something a little bit different. Since okay. You posted in the Facebook group and I saw a ton of, ton of comments. So recently, Timmy just made a quick post that says, Hey, I'm opening my third home. The system works, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's correct. That was what I said. <laughs> so I'm going to pick out a couple of uh, just kind of questions that people ask, because I'm sure the people listening have similar ones and we'll, okay. we'll get, we'll get through that before we, uh, we wrap it up. So are your, I can kind of pick this out, but just for the folks out there, are your homes general population or are they a specific demographic? For now, yes, my homes are still uh, general population. But it's, I, the only thing I'm doing in my homes is that I used to take both male and female. But mm -hmm. my, when we just, where the things were, having seen both sides, I just decided to stick with a male residence home. So that's what I, my, all my homes are male, rest, male home. Okay. That's a good, that's a really good common question that we get as well. Like, and it really comes down to how you guys want to run your business. That's so right. You, you can mix genders if you want. Andy does it. So he only works with single adults. So he'll, he will do male and or female, yeah. uh, but we have some clients, they mix genders. They'll even take families and maybe put them in private rooms. Okay. Andy, only single adults and doesn't mix genders. Okay. Um, and then Temi's um, has narrowed it down to just single adult males. That's yeah. maybe with time I might open uh, for purely for women, but for now I'm just those are just, that's just my uh, my area of focus. But in terms of should I say demographics, I really don't. Yeah. But as general, yeah. So and just. We don't have specific statistics, but just our estimation, we would say about 80% of the people that are living in these types of homes tend to be uh, male, single adult males. So you're serving the uh, the biggest demographic, in our opinion. Does that sound accurate to you? Yes. Okay. Because every three calls, every five calls, I get uh, definitely four of it may be male for male uh, residents also. Okay. Yeah. So that's... Uh, that plays out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. 
Is this a, a good question of shared? Are they shared or single rooms, uh, private rooms? Yes, my thing. My, sometimes I really don't, uh, but mo- most of my house, like the one in Dallas is uh, private and shared because it has about six bedrooms or so. Nice. And so I, there are some people that would just come and say, I need a private room. And this is, I say, okay, can you pay 900? And then can you do that, pay this amount? And I say, yes, it's okay. I'll just take them, especially if I'm opening it newly. I don't want to pay the rent for the next month. I just take as many <laughs> people that comes in. But after a while, I started seeing how will it profit. Like as I was talking to you today now, there was a resident, someone that called me, need a shared room. And I know that there was somebody in a private room and there's another room that was private, but it cannot contain two rooms. So the, I have to move. I told the person, just called him. I said, I would like to move you to that room. So that I can put two beds in this room. So I told the person that moving tomorrow, he said, okay. So they are majorly mixed, but most of my rooms are for uh, shared. That's what we see as well. So we just keep the option open. Hey, we have private or shared rooms available. This is the pricing. Our average bed price is around 600. And the average private room is around 1,000 for the folks that are wondering. And I see right under that, that someone had uh, asked you that question. And yeah, you, we're not going to go into specifics on the podcast, but you guys can kind of, we kind of did a, a breakdown. It's Temi's getting pretty much exactly what we advertise as the average kind of conservative numbers. And again, we're in Texas, Temi as well. The pricing and everything like that is going to fluctuate depending on the market. So right. Right. Yeah, so well, you know, I'm letting you guys know our average bed price. We're in Central Texas. If you're in somewhere like the Bay Area, it's probably going to be a lot higher. And way, if, you're, higher. if you're somewhere in the Midwest, it's lower cost of living. It'll be a little bit lower. So you guys do not have to use our exact numbers. So those are a couple of really good questions that were in the Facebook group. Um, yeah, I saw them. Yeah, you guys are hearing us talk about that. So we do have, I think we mentioned the gold course a couple times. That's what, if you guys are listening out there, you're really interested in this business, you know, bare minimum, get the gold course with that. It's included with the gold course for now, but you'll have access to a private Facebook group. Oh man, I think we have over 2000 members in there, people from all walks of life, all areas, you know, different stages in the business. So you got kind of folks like Temi who are in the process of scaling. You have a couple of vets that are really active in there answering questions. And then we have a whole bunch of beginners as well that are just kind of asking the basic questions. So that's a, a huge bonus to the gold course at this point. So Temi, you just opened home number three. The goal is to get number five by Next by summer? June. Oh, by this this summer. Excellent. Yes. yes. Cool. And your each home is with a, a different landlord, it sounds like. That's correct. Cool. But, so you, but the good thing about this, my third home, the landlords, they have like 48 houses or something. They were like, hey, we tell go. me, do you want another? They were actually asking me, do I want another one by, in, uh, close to the neighborhood that this will be available this month? I think I would just say, I will not lack getting a home now if I, once I, before, I just wanted to wait for this to be filled. And uh, once it's filled, I just 
I'll be moving to the fourth one. And uh, yeah, I won't have problem with landlord getting a place with landlord because even the one, my second home, the, the landlord actually called me last month and said he has another house that will be available. Like I went to take a look at it. We didn't agree in the numbers. I just told him that if he agreed to my number, he should call me because I've been good to him. I've been taking care of his property really good. And that's why he had the courage to call me. I'm of the attitude that if folks out there listening, if they follow through with what we tell them, if they're confident, they're honestly going to follow the system and they do have referral sources. They're going to keep these properties filled and managed correctly, right? If So if you're confident and that's your intention, I'm of the opinion that it's foolish for a landlord to not work with you guys. Yes. Do you have that mindset as well? Definitely, I do. Reason being that sometimes if you say you want to give to a family, sometimes families of seven, eight, sometimes families that husband and wife and four or five kids or something, or have, they have cousins, they have sisters, then at the end they are still staying eight people. And if I'm housing eight people, if, if you're giving it to me, there's no difference in numbers, in the numbers. So, and you stand a better chance that I will not be calling you at every time. I need to do it for my business to flourish, uh, to, to go well. I have to fix some things without letting you know. And so you stand a better chance of listening to me. And that is the position I take when I'm talking to a uh, landlord. I try to let them see what I'm bringing and what them offering me, you know, what them listening to me means. And it's not a script. It's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. It's yeah. So truth. that's where the confidence is going to come from, which again, you know, that's why we, if you guys are feeling iffy or like, you know, worried about to start, there's no met. We do have the script, but if you say that it's not going to come across. So that's why we recommend, Hey, bare minimum, get out there make the connections, get the proof of concept. So you believe in it yourself. And that'll give you that confidence that you're going to need to speak with these people. It sounds like you're making some great connections out there that the company or the landlord that has multiple properties to me, that's yes. probably a good resource for off market, you know, capital and financing mm-hmm. when you're really looking to scale this thing at kind of on like the real estate side of stuff. So that's another discussion for another day. I'd love to kind of help you out with that. Um, I'll be glad. I'll be glad, Brandon. You've been a good coach and that would be awesome too. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of strategy. You're kind of, once you guys get to a couple properties, even if you're not thinking of it like this at this point, eventually mm-hmm. you guys, you know, you're just going to be forced to become real estate investors, right? Because the the challenge eventually becomes, all right, you know, how do I get enough property to meet the demand, right? Right, so, right. Uh, if I tell you just something that just happened actually yesterday, yeah, absolutely. you don't mind me sharing it. Absolutely. Uh, I was making calls because now that I moved to this, this denting house, I went back to my... I dust my marketing, calling, code call and everything again. And I went into the, I went in aggressively. I'm trying to call different organizations and I called an organization and they said, okay, they will come and look at my property yesterday. So we had a, a meeting. The coordinator came and looked at it. He said, oh, it's nice. He said, it's just that the population they serve is just an individual that is looking for, like they, they can just pick a family, family of four and just put them in the four bedroom. He asked me how much this for bedroom would I give it out for. I told him what it would cost me you now if I lease it out. So I gave him, he said, oh, they cannot 
uh, the government, their money cannot, they can't get that numbers. And I said, okay, tell me more about what you do. And he told me, gave me the details. And I said, uh, okay. So they are the ones that pay. I said, so how long do you pay? Say as long as the people stay there, even if it's four years, if it's five years. And I said, wow. I said, okay, just send me your price breakdown and let me see what you pay for a house for a family. And if it's something that um, what's me looking at, I might just rent the house and lease it to them. And even if it's a family, that might just be another kind of a population that I would just be addressing. He said, and I trust me, we have people that we've not been able to house. He said last year, his budget was for 42 people. He was only able to house for 32 people. And the government, were, they were, I mean, the management were asking him why didn't he use the balance of the money. I was like, okay, send me the breakdown very quick and let's see where we go from there. Beautiful. You know? So this gives me another, some more real life experience. We'll drop it for these folks. So a lot of times you will come across organizations that are working with directly with the government and they have very strict guidelines. That's what this gentleman you were working with kind of has, right? They probably coming from HUD, they can only, you know, they can do shared housing or anything like that. Right. They have all these funds that they need to spend. Yes. So you're just doing the math, right? You figured out there might be enough funds for that program for you to lease the property from a landlord. Yes. Basically just lease it to them. Yeah. And collect maybe a couple hundred bucks in cash flow. That is it, uh, Brenda. That's exactly what my calculations is. Now, look at the amount of people that they work with, right? And they yeah. see the struggle that they face, right? Yeah. So this is where the multifamily play comes in. So what Andy is doing now, he's converting apartment complexes and uh, hotels as well to service mm. organizations like that. Um, wow. So there is a big need for that. How we kind of dance around that if we're working with a client that's just starting out, we'll just get that information from the folks that, mm -hmm. that we're speaking with and say, Hey, what are you, you know, what are the folks that are on your wait list? What are they doing? Oh, they're in cars, they're in motels, they're in homeless shelters, and they're just waiting for a unit to become available from a company that accepts these vouchers. So we will say at that point, Hey, you know what? We're definitely open to getting into multifamily soon that so we can accommodate, you know, your families and the folks that need single units. In the meantime, we think our first property will most likely be just a residential setting, shared housing. When we do get that, we'd love to send you the information on that property. It could be a great place for your folks that are on the wait list to stay temporarily. Now, why that works, the organization that we spoke with just the other day like that. <laughs> Let me get this. They had 2,700 people on their wait list. Whoa. 2,700. 2,700. And they were in charge of 70. Their budget was 72 million per year for those vouchers. And there's no housing for them. So that's wow. where, in the meantime, that could be a really good solid source for referrals. Right. You know, for the folks that are like, 
these people are out there paying a daily rate in a motel in the motel or, yeah or staying in a shelter or staying on the street or in in a car waiting and they're a large percentage of those folks are not going to find a a nice beautiful apartment that accepts the voucher unfortunately so it's a good way to develop relationships with those larger organizations get referrals we had a woman from one of those organizations tell us well you know what yeah that might work for maybe like 15 to 20 of our people per month so well, you know, hmm. just send us the information. That's almost they, two houses before. Yeah, they downplay it because in their mind, it's small potatoes, right? But for you, right. that, okay, <laughs> that means I could, in theory, I could open, you know, 20 properties just right. from those leads per year, right. right? And then eventually you get to the point where if with these types of connections, those are the types of connections that will literally, you know, they'll fill an apartment complex once you get one. My God. So it's, you know, do the math on you're thinking, you know, single family residents. Now do the math on if you had like a multifamily property. And there's so many other advantages once you get into multifamily and stuff like that. So just a little, just a little, (laughs) uh, you know, nugget of knowledge. (laughs) Planting some seeds in there for Tammy and uh, (laughs) just kind of showing you guys the advantages of any of the possibilities opportunity here and just in the overall space as well as that's a very common question that we get from gold course members where there's some Mm -hmm. nuance with dealing with these organizations i just gave you guys a really good kind of not script or pitch that you can use to just kind of keep the conversation going going yeah um, keep the relationship going when the idea of shared housing comes up paired to if you're dealing with someone that they kind of are working under strict guidelines that prohibit that. So, right. and I can tell, I, I think I just planted a seed in Temi for the future. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> it's, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, you are talking and my mind is just blowing, just looking around, just thinking wider than what. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, all right, man. It was awesome catching up to you. That's so funny. I didn't put the name to the face it's so cool that i remember our last coaching call you were literally like just starting out and you were literally getting those first couple phone calls in the background that's correct you remember <laughs> so, very well you remember yep. very well and funny enough you actually remember how my office was looking then <laughs> yeah it was the same kind of color and everything but you switched things up <laughs> yeah <I did. laughs> thank you All so right. much brendan for the opportunity to talk with you on this podcast yeah, and then was, i will just drop these for those that uh still contemplating being on the fence this is great this is good it's one of the ways you can actually drop your pen from that your nine to five job if you really jump on it and don't wait for it to start working others before you get into it already there are enough evidence there are enough testimonies of people that it's working for i'm originally from Nigeria. And some of you are from here, you've got the accent and everything. So you shouldn't be afraid to call people, talk to them, they will understand. And nothing should be a barrier to you. Just do it, just do it. Sometimes I tell people, perfectionists don't achieve much. If you're waiting to be perfect before you start, you will never start. So that's my advice to those listening. Couldn't have said it better. 
<laughs> yeah. So for folks out there, maybe they're on the fence. They're just starting out. Uh, Bear, if you're just new to our content, head over to grouphomeriches.com. Sign up for the free training material. Reach out to us with your general questions. A lot of folks are just kind of fuzzy on like licensing. Do you need it? Do you don't? How do you get paid? You know, what are the first steps? Anything like that, just kind of reach out to us and we'll either answer it or point you to the right material. But once it starts clicking, it's all about the action, like Temi just said. So, Temi, thank you so much for coming on again. It was great catching up to you. Thank um, you. We when when to, I open my fifth home, we talk more again. Yeah, about we, it again. we need to start talking and thinking like real estate investment side of things. And okay. then uh, then we could do a, a part two here very soon. Sounds um, good. And so where can the folks uh, find you out there? Do you have a website or anything like that? Yes. Our website is uh, dominantresident.com. Dominant, D-O-M-I-N-A-N-T. Residence. R-E-S-I-D-E-N-C-E dot com. Our email is dominantresidence at gmail.com. Our Facebook is Dominant Residence. Instagram is Dominant Residence. So. Love it. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. And I uh, look you. forward to seeing this thing grow. All right, then. Thank you so much, Brendan, for your good work. Keep it on. You're welcome, man. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah.